Well, this has been a very emotionally intense week for me. I had a health scare. Um, I had deep sins that were revealed to me. And I had strongholds that had to be taken down. And I knew that I needed desperately to have people around me who could pray for me, support me, help me make sense of what was happening, and intercede for me. So on Wednesday night, as we have been doing for two and a half years now, a small group of us gather here for the prayer gathering, and I knew that that would be my time to share with the group. After two and a half years of praying with each other, hearing about our families, learning each of our quirks and uh, personalities, uh, I knew that I could trust this group. They had become for me uh, my life group, my group of people whom I could be transparent with. What about you? What do you do when you're struggling, when you're feeling hurt? when you're needing comfort. Just this morning, I've heard stories from several of you of losing friends, of parting with family members. Where do you go to get the encouragement and the support that you need? We are social beings who need other people. God wired us that way. God is relational and we made in his image. We are relational. From the very moment of conception, you and I needed relationship. We needed our mom to recognize that there was a a human being growing inside of her. And if she didn't know she wouldn't know how to take care of us, even before we were born. At the moment of birth, we were helpless, and we needed other people, parents, grandparents, siblings, family members, caretakers. We needed someone else to take care of us. And as we grow up, we learn who we are in relationship to other people. It is in those relationships that we know who we are. For example, you didn't know that you were shy until you met a stranger. You didn't know you were funny until everybody around you laughed at your jokes. You didn't know you were dependable until you were able to come through for somebody else. You didn't know you were selfish until your mom told you to share your toy with your little sibling. And you didn't know you were gullible until someone took advantage of you. So we begin to know who we are in our relationship to others. And others also help shape how we think about ourselves. So you didn't think that you were slow until someone else beat you or you got married and then your spouse couldn't wait for you, right? Or you didn't think that you were worthless 
until someone put you down and mocked you. And you didn't think that you were unlovable until you got rejected over and over again by other people. Because we are relational beings, relationships matter. And we get hurt in relationships. So it makes sense that we would find healing in relationships. Dr. Wayne Jonas, uh, writing an article in psychologytoday.com, he posed this question, are you in a healing relationship? Pointing to, again to the fact that we are social beings who need relationships with other people, both individually and in community, he, he makes this point. Positive relationships are healing relationships. Trust, honesty, and compassion are the three elements of a healing relationship. Being loved, respected, understood, and connected to others can have a profound effect on your health. And then he went on to talk about how medically, physically, that we need to be in community, and that helps us heal physically. For people who have suffered trauma and carry deep emotional and psychological wounds, this is especially true. So Judith Lewis Herman, in her book entitled Trauma and Recovery, the Aftermath of Violence, From Domestic Abuse to Political Terror, she paints this very poignant picture. I think it's worthwhile for me just to read all that she said. And she said, traumatic events destroy the sustaining bonds between individual and community. Those who have survived learned that their sense of self, of worth, of humanity, depends upon a feeling of connection with others. The solidarity of a group provides the strongest protection against terror and despair, and the strongest antidote to traumatic experience. Trauma isolates, the, but the group recreates a sense of belonging. Trauma shames and stigmatizes. The group bears witness and affirms. Trauma degrades the victim. The group exalts her. Trauma dehumanizes the victim. The group restores her humanity. Just let that sink in. That the trauma can alienate a person from everything that they actually need, which is connection with others and healing. And it is when they reconnect with a group, with others, that they can uh, begin to heal. And interestingly enough, neuroscience, or the study of the brain, has only recently discovered, and I say only because it's, it's only been the last maybe uh, two to three decades where we've been able to see brain imagery uh, that we have come to discover the impact of relationships. It used to be believed that 
As children were developing, their brains are developing and growing and changing at a rapid rate. However, unfortunately, when you hit adulthood, your brain stops growing and you're stuck with however you are. Um, and that was the belief for a long time. But now we recognize that relationships and learning and, and doing new things actually can change the brain. And so Louis Cozzolino uh, does a lot of research and writes about this. He's a psychologist, a professor, and a neuroscience researcher. And this is what he noted. He says that our brains require stimulation and connection to survive and thrive. A brain without connection to other brains and without sufficient challenge will shrink and eventually die. Moreover, the modern human brain's primary environment is our matrix of social relationships. As a result, close, supportive relationships stimulate positive emotions, neuroplasticity, and learning. Neuroplasticity is that idea that your brain can form new pathways and delete old ones that are not helpful. Basically, people's brain functioning can change through the formation of new neural pathways depending on the people around them, depending on their community, their network of relationships. So you and I are not just socially wired, but our brains are socially wired as well. And it seems that the sciences are finally catching up to what the Bible has been teaching us all along. And for more than 2,000 years, we have heard from the Bible how important relationships are. Particularly as we look in the New Testament, the letters that were written to the brand new churches that were forming and to help instruct the new believers and followers of Jesus Christ these letters tended to tell them how to be and behave in this new community. The Apostle Paul describes this new life as being renewed in your mind, being renewed in your attitudes. He described it as putting off the old self and putting on a new self. To not only survive but to thrive in the world that they lived in, believers had to change and provide a safe environment to help other believers change. In Ephesians 4, 22-32, we're going to read it. I'll read it to you. You can follow along if you want. Um, it's a long passage, and we're actually not going to stop to look at what each verse says, but I want you to get the sense of what Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus. This is how we ought to be in this new community so that we can help rewire people's brains and how they uh, heal together. So let's read Ephesians 4, 32. You were taught with regard to your former way of life 
to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So Paul, along with Peter, James, and the writer of the book of Hebrews, together they provide a long list of what believers need to do with one another. I call this the one another list. And from this list, we, we learn what it takes to be a safe community for others. And while we're learning to be a safe community, we ourselves are being transformed and we also receive the healing that we need. So there are lots of one another's. I'm actually going to read 20 of them to you so you get an idea of what a healing community looks like. Live in harmony with one another. Love one another, which by the way is repeated more than a dozen times. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Have equal concern for each other. Encourage each other. Build each other up. Accept one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Carry each other's burdens. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Serve one another in love. Instruct one another. Admonish one another. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. In this kind of gracious, forgiving, loving, encouraging community, it would be safe for individuals to be themselves with all their strengths, talents, fears, pains, weaknesses, and brokenness. They could confess their sins without fear of being judged or rejected. 
they could have the time, the space, and the support to learn and to grow. Instead of isolating themselves from others and hiding their weaknesses and protecting their hurts and pains, there could be healing in these communities. My first experience of a loving, nurturing community was during my college years. As a bright-eyed, eager freshman on the campus of Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island, I joined the campus's chapter of InterVarsity. Uh, I was immediately placed in a small group, uh, and I grew immensely over the next four years as I studied the Bible uh, with a group of women in ways that I had never studied the Bible before. But to be honest, the biggest transformation for me came from the relationships where I experienced all the things that we were reading. Um, during those four years, I struggled financially. There were times where I had nothing. I couldn't even do my laundry because I didn't have quarters. Um, during that time, I was dating Greg, and we were struggling uh, emotionally as well as sexually. Uh, my parents were telling me to break up with him, so I was having relationship issues with my parents who up to that time had thought I was perfect. And I struggled as I grew to trust God more with every area of my life. And honestly, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have my small group there to admonish me when I was not repenting. Um, to encourage me when I, I felt hopeless, to give financially to me so that I could survive from semester to semester, and even flying me home so that I could work on my relationship with my parents, uh, keeping me accountable in my relationship with Greg. All of that transformed me as an individual and as a believer and taught me how to also give encouragement and forgiveness and grace and love to other people. So as a spiritual growth director here at River Life, it's my privilege to help the church think about ways that we can take action to help everyone grow as individuals and as a community. I know that most of us don't come to church just to listen to the sermon. We come because we want to know people to get to know them and also for them to get to know us. We want relationship. We want real friends and not just Sunday acquaintances. But it's difficult to accomplish deeper relationships in the one and a half hours that we have here on Sunday. So to develop deep, trusting relationships with other people, it requires that we have intentional time and devoted attention to developing those relationships. And that is one of the reasons why, from the very beginning, Greg and I and the ministry team have prioritized life groups. Our life groups are what other churches might call small groups, cell groups, care groups, growth groups, or any number of names 
that describes a small group of people who meet regularly to study the Bible, to get to know each other and support each other, and to do life together. And it's certainly my hope that life groups here at River Life can be a place where each of you experiences healing in community. So the mission of River Life's life groups is to connect people in small groups for the purpose of spiritual growth, loving community, and sharing in the work of the church. Let me just say that one more time. To connect people in small groups for the purpose of spiritual growth, loving community, and sharing in the work of the church. Uh, the way we do that the implementation of that is that life groups would facilitate personal and nurturing relationships where people grow in Christ's likeness by applying God's word to their daily lives. They would build loving community by giving and receiving care. Uh, they would serve God and the church by developing and exercising their gifts and they would reach others for Christ by multiplying and shepherding new groups. During the first three years of River Life, we had eight to 10 life groups going on all throughout the week. In 2018, most of the groups stopped meeting and we took a little break so that all of 2019, um, I was training a whole new group of leaders. And now, I'm excited to say that we are ready to launch new groups, most of them starting at the end of February or early March. We will have a variety of groups that will meet various days of the week. There will be co-ed or mixed males and females groups. We will have men's groups, women's groups, couples, uh, single adults. Some of the groups will meet weekly, some will meet every other week, some even once a month. We want to make it accessible and available for you so that you can begin to connect with others more deeply. Um, Sign-ups will begin next week, uh, but to help you start thinking and praying about joining a group, we've put together a little flyer. It, truly is little, but it has lots of information. It has all the group leaders listed, the dates, the times they'll be meeting, and even the location. So um, we're going to hand these out as you leave today. I want you to pray about it. Um, make your calendars available for God to say, hey, I want you in this healing community, and, and get plugged in. My hope is that each of you already has a safe, nurturing, healing community. But if you don't, then join a life group and create a healing community with other River Life people. Please join me in prayer. God, thank you that you are a relational God and you want relationship with us. And then you said it is not good that Adam is all by himself when you first created man. And you said, Adam needs relationship. So you created 
Eve. And Lord, you, you know that we go through life needing others, and yet most of the time we feel lonely, misunderstood, uh, judged, alienated from others. And God, I pray that as you change each of us in our personality, in our ability to trust you, that you also allow us to have relationships where we can learn to trust, we can learn to um, be transparent, we can learn to receive, even as we are learning to be trustworthy, to be encouraging, and to be your hands and feet to love and bring healing to others. So Lord, I pray that for us as a River Life family, that we would be marked as people who are compassionate and loving and caring, and that we would be a safe place for people to struggle and be in pain, but to also receive hope and healing and growth. So thank you, Jesus. I pray for the life groups that will be launching you go ahead of us, Lord, and you build these relationships for us. And I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.